Hey, Career Girl Nation, this is episode 50 of the Deeper Than Work podcast, and today we're talking about imposter syndrome. Before you say, oh my gosh, everyone's talking about imposter syndrome, they're not talking about it the way we're talking about it over here, so go ahead and tune in. I'm breaking it all the way down, defining what it is, how it plays out in your career, what you can do about it. Tune in to episode 50. Welcome to Deeper Than Work, a podcast for high-achieving and ambitious women ready to make more money, have more impact, and thrive at work and life. And now, here's your host, Dorianne St. Fleur, HR expert, career coach, and breaker of glass ceilings. Have you signed up for your career breakthrough coaching session yet? Career Breakthrough Coaching Sessions are for high-performing women of color who are ready to break through their overwhelm, confusion, and negative thinking to finally have 1,000% more clarity about what's next in their career. During your free Career Breakthrough Coaching Session, you'll get crystal clear on your career vision and what your next level looks like. You'll uncover the hidden blocks, challenges, and limitations holding you back from your greatness and you'll get re-energized and re-inspired to show up with confidence in the next phase of your career. Go to yourcareergirl.com slash breakthrough. Hey, Career Girl Nation. We are talking all about imposter syndrome today. And I'm not going to lie, this was a topic that has been on my heart for maybe a year or so. I've wanted to talk about it, but I've had some hesitation. I really didn't know how to address this topic in a way that would be useful and valuable to you as you listen, but also that felt true to me because I, in my opinion, have some thoughts that aren't necessarily mainstream, quote unquote, when it comes to this idea of imposter syndrome. And so my view of imposter syndrome, and I and I wrote a post about this a while back I, on my Facebook, and I'll link to that in the show notes, is that I just, I don't, imposter syndrome is not real. It's not a real thing. And when I say that, I don't mean that to diminish the very real feelings and the very real implications that people who suffer from imposter syndrome have. I'm not saying that you're making it up. I'm not saying that. But in and of itself, what imposter syndrome is, and I'll go through the definition and how it plays out. I'll go through all of that. You know how I do, so I'll I'll break that down for you. But in and of itself, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's not a real thing. And so while I help women through it, I coach women through it, I I have a low tolerance for it being as pervasive as it is because in my mind, we know it's not real. We know that it keeps us from moving forward and getting to our highest levels of success. It really keeps us bogged down and trapped. And so we need to move through it. We need to push past it. We need to do what we need to do. I'm not okay with people suffering from imposter syndrome for years and years and years and years. 
you know, once you understand what it is, once you acknowledge it, once you realize how it's holding you back, you got to move through it. And so I literally, I, I, I have little tolerance for imposter syndrome in general. And because I know that that's, you know, imposter syndrome is a buzzword. Everyone's talking about it. TED Talks about it and articles about it and podcasts about it. I know that this is something that people want to talk about. They love to talk about imposter syndrome and how it's affecting them in their career, in their lives, in their businesses, etc. And I'm here to say, like, yeah, we can talk about it, but let's do something about it. Let's move forward. It's not cute to just talk about, oh, imposter syndrome is a thing that we just need to deal with. No, imposter syndrome is something we need to kick to the curb. It needs to, it needs to go away. It's similar to how I feel about the, the pay gap, right? I, I'm over talking about it. I don't post about it every year when it comes around. This, that's not a cute statistic. <laughs> I'm not trying to remind myself and talk about it. And this is similar to how I feel about this idea of imposter syndrome. The reason why I'm talking about it now, though, even with all the thoughts that I have about it and how it really gets me riled up, <laughs> the reason why I'm talking about it now is for two reasons. The first is that in my coaching that I do, um, I have a free career breakthrough coaching sessions that I do with women for 30 minutes and we, you know, we, we go through all the things. Eight out of the 10 women that I speak to typically are suffering from some sort of imposter syndrome. Like it's, it's now coming to a point where I can't escape it, where these women can't escape it, where it's crippling them from moving forward in their careers. When I'm working with clients, we spend a lot of time, even before we can dive into working towards whatever the goal is, we have to spend a lot of time unpacking the imposter syndrome and working through it. So I'm realizing Dorian, this is something that needs to be addressed. You need to talk about it. And then, so as I was contemplating it and thinking about how I wanted to do it, I was sitting in a room, a panel of people at, a, at an organization, and one of the speakers was an executive. He, you know, a black man doing really well for himself in his career, and he talked about his bouts with imposter syndrome and how he's since moved past it and obviously done really well for himself and successful. But he, there was a point in his career where it was really tough dealing with this idea of like, do I belong here? Am I, should I be here? Am I in the right place? And so in my mind, I'm like, if people at the top, if these executives have dealt with that or are still dealing with it, and the women that I'm working with who are working their way up to the top, mid-level, high-performing women, this is pervasive. This is everywhere. This is all up and through corporate spaces and even non-corporate spaces. This is all up and through life. I need to talk about it. We need to address it. We in the Career Girl tribe, Career Girl community, we need to, we need to discuss. And so that's, that's kind of what brought me here to actually talk about it today. So as I like to do, I like to set the stage. Let's first define what imposter syndrome is. So I looked up the actual definition. I have my own definition and I'll, I'll say what that is. But the actual definition online in the dictionary is that imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has legitimately achieved or or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Now, that's a lot. So I like to always break things down in laywomen's terms. And so to me, 
imposter syndrome is the inability to own and accept your greatness, period. If you're a high achiever, if you're ambitious, if you have a track record of success, but you can't own that, you can't own how amazing you are, you most likely are suffering from some sort of imposter syndrome. And in addition to feeling this way, feeling like you don't accept your greatness, you further feel like sooner or later, other people will realize that you don't belong there, that you're not really that great, and see that you're a fraud. So it's twofold. It's one, you can't own your greatness. You can't own the successes that you've had. And you feel, secondly, that people will start to realize that. They'll find you out and you'll be labeled a fraud. Now that's deep. That is deep, especially when we're talking about people like you who have achieved things. You have had huge wins in your career. You have had a level of success, but you don't even see it. There have been so many times, like the women who work with me know, I get super amped. I get very hype and emotional and passionate about things. And sometimes when they're talking to me about all the amazing things that they've done, I'm like, I just want to jump through the video and be like, are you serious right now? Do you see, yesterday I literally was coaching someone and I told her, okay, I had to interrupt her and say, listen, for the rest of the time that I know you, for to the end of my days, I told y'all I'm dramatic, I was like, to the end of my life, I will never allow you to say that you're not good at this, what, the, thing that, the specific thing we were talking about, because you've just proven that that's not the case. And that's just how I feel. I feel like, how could you not feel like you're amazing? How could you not see what I see, what everyone else sees about how amazing and great and accomplished you are? I have friends who are business owners who in their own right are rising stars and doing what they need to do. But in the alone time, in the dark times, they literally feel like, they're not good enough, that they're wasting their time, that they're playing around. This thing is real. And so that's why I want to talk through it today. So we know what imposter syndrome is, right? We know what the definition is. We've, we've established that. Let's talk about who it affects. When you read about imposter syndrome, typically you're reading about, uh, you're reading an article or you're reading something that's geared towards women. When the idea of imposter syndrome first came out back in the 70s, um, there was a whole study done about it, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Go to deeperthanwork.com episode and, and search for episode 50, and you'll, you'll see the show notes there. But when the study first came out in the 70s, the participants were women. And so I, what I can gather is that because it started out being women, the term kind of people started to feel like, oh, this is just something that women deal with. This is something that they are going through. Since then, there have been many other studies, and even anecdotally, you don't need a study to see that imposter syndrome affects everyone. I talked about that black executive who it affects. There are people who, you know, teenagers, senior citizens, lawyers, teachers, you know, administrative assistants, it doesn't matter. Even, even the almighty white male suffers from imposter syndrome. Everyone, I'm being sarcastic, obviously, I hope you guys can get that through my voice, <laughs> um, but everyone suffers from imposter syndrome. 
entry level all the way up to executive level. It doesn't matter. Now, with that being said, there are certain groups who are more susceptible to imposter syndrome. And so maybe that's, and women are one of those groups. And so maybe that's why a lot of people associate this with women. But imposter syndrome affects everyone. Every single person, as long as you're a human being and you have an ability to, you know, feel and to, and to, and you're relating to people out there in the world, you have the possibility to be affected by imposter syndrome. There's even a stat out there that 70% of people over their lifetime will feel the effects of imposter syndrome at some point. So, okay, not every single person, right? But 70% is a vast majority of folks who at some time in their lives will feel like, what am I doing here? I'm not that great. I don't deserve this. People will find out about me. I'm an imposter. So this is really something that a lot of people feel. Now, there are groups, as I said, who are more susceptible to this. And those would be women and people from underrepresented groups. So we're talking about minorities, black, Hispanic, we're talking about LGBTQ+, we're talking about those folks who when they look around, when they look around corporate spaces or the workplaces that they're in, they're in the minority. They don't see people who look like them. They don't see people at senior leadership who they can relate to on some, or feel that they can relate to on some level. They feel kind of isolated. They feel alone. And these tend to be women and people in underrepresented groups, which is why these folks tend to feel it at a more deeper and more overarching level than maybe other people. But it's not to say that other people don't feel that way. And so for the remainder of the conversation, I'm talking to people of color, talking to women of color who can relate to this because, as I said, you're more susceptible. We are more susceptible to this phenomenon because we're the nature of how we're situated in the workplace, the fact that we are dealing with a lot of things that amplify this problem. So what amplifies imposter syndrome? Why are these groups more susceptible to it? Well, one, I kind of just alluded to that before, we're often the only person who looks like us in a specific room, in a team, in a department, sometimes at a whole company. We're the only person there. And so if you walk into a space, you're the only black woman there, and all you see is a sea, you see, uh, there's a sea of people who don't look like you, what's something you might think to yourself? Dang, well, maybe I don't belong here. How did I slip through the cracks? How did I get there? This is just natural feeling that you may have a tendency to feel. And on top of that, sometimes people flat out say that to you. Oh, you know you only got here because of affirmative action or because we had to fill a quota or because we needed, you know, to diversify the the team, right? People actually say things to you. We get looks, we get comments being said to us, there's slights that happen to us, microaggressions, all these things that further you know, further solidify this thought within us that we don't belong in this space, that we shouldn't be here, that this belong, we're, this is someone else's space and we're frauds and we're imposters and we shouldn't be here. There was a situation where I went to a conference. It was for 
HR executives within the DNI space. So this is the framing of the conference that I went to. It was at um, a beautiful, beautiful venue here in New York City. You know, was there for the day, had my suit on, ready to go, walked up into the space. I was there early because I am directionally challenged. And even though I'm from New York, I get lost on the regular. So I always give myself some additional time. I wanted to be there. So I got there right in enough time early to kind of get myself situated. I walked into the building, asked someone to point me to the direction of where the conference was supposed to be, walked over it, got to the desk, and walked up to the desk, waited in line. When it was my turn, walked up. And the woman who was at the desk, who was another woman of color, looked at me and said, hey, are you here? Are you one of the vendors? The vendor entrance is actually over there. Now, no shade against vendors, right? That's not the point of this, right? But no, I'm not. I'm actually an HR leader in the DNI space, dressed to the nines with my face beat, here to sit and partake in the event. What about me makes you think or assume that I'm a vendor? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it a combination of the two? Is it because I look young? What, 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 right? These are things that I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was upset by like I answered her. No, I'm here for the conference. Where is that? She found my name and I sat down. But this is something that was on my mind for a good like hour. Like, yes, I'm paying attention to the conference, but like why I got to be the vendor. And so these are things that further, further underline the fact that do I really belong here? Now, just full disclaimer, imposter syndrome is not something that I specifically deal with all the t- like on a, a basis, right? I have clients that deal with it, so I get it. But imagine if this was something I was struggling with in this moment, and then this woman is downplaying me and saying, hey, are you a vendor? Go there. Then how would I feel? That's just another example of why I don't belong in this space, why I shouldn't speak up, why I shouldn't ask any questions, why I should shrink myself and make myself invisible, because look, even they didn't think I belonged to be here. This is a, a big deal. So to some people, you may be listening, it's like, well, Dorian, that's kind of what she thought you were someone else. But I guarantee, I'd be willing to bet you a dollar that had someone else of another persuasion walked up behind me, you wouldn't assume that they're, they're the vendor. You wouldn't assume that they're there to set up and sell something, you know, or sell services or, or, or do something there. You would assume that they were an executive who came to hear what was said. So these are little things that add to this feeling of, do I belong in the spaces that I'm in? And I'm sure if I polled you listeners right now, there would be so many stories where similar things have happened to you. I was actually at a networking event the other day, and one of the women there talked about a time when she was also at an event. She was at a meeting. She was there early, first one there actually, sat her, found her seat in the front. And as things started to fill up, there was some white woman who came who was, you know, whoever she was in the space. And she was, this black woman was actually asked to give up her seat to this white woman in front of a, a whole room full of people. Again, other situations where, wow, do I really belong here? I'm being asked to move my seat. I'm being told that I'm a vendor. I'm being pushed to the side. Do I really belong in these spaces? This is These are parts of the reasons why women, people of color are more susceptible to this because we are constantly battling 
and fighting for our space, for the opportunity to be there, to prove that we belong where we are. In addition to that, historically, we weren't invited into the space, into these spaces. The places that we're in now, we're in boardrooms, we're leading teams, we're moving up the ranks, not as fast and not as much as we should be, but we're moving. Historically, we weren't in these spaces. So it's still relatively new to see a black woman executive, a woman of color in, in, in the C-suite. These, this is still a, a relatively new thing. And so that adds to us feeling like, mm, let me just be on my P's and Q's. I don't want to shake things up too much. Coupled with the fact that there's hardly anyone who looks like us at senior levels for us to talk to and you know trade stories with and talk through their experiences and how that felt, that, that black man that I told you about who spoke about his experiences coming up the ranks, when I heard his story, when I heard that he too suffers from imposter syndrome, I'm like, okay, like this is, this is something that affects everyone. This is, this is a thing. This is something that actually does need to be addressed. Look at this person who is in my mind successful and where they, and where I aspire to be one day. And look at what they also have to deal with. He chronicled his stories and things that he's dealt with over his career. We live dual lives as women of color. We are in spaces where we have to put on a certain, you know, a certain air, a certain front. We have to go along with the masses and what people are doing and kind of stifle where we are and how we feel. There's hardly people who understand in our circles sometimes, there's not a lot of people who understand what it is we're going through. So all of these reasons, they cloud our mind and they make us think, you know what? Maybe I don't belong here. Look, I'm the only person here. There's no senior person. They're telling me that I'm the vendor. There's no one that I can speak to. My family doesn't get it. Maybe I really don't belong here. Maybe I should just sit in my corner and not say anything and just kind of go with the flow and not bother anyone, not make any waves, not rock the boat. These are all the reasons why, these are some of the reasons, not all the reasons, because not to mention just flat out racism, right? For whether we're talking about internalized racism, institutionalized racism, interpersonal racism, all the racisms, right? Are the, they, they add to this feeling of us feeling like frauds and like we don't belong in the spaces that we're in. And so we're not able to own our greatness and own the fact that we've just done amazing things, right? But that aside, these other reasons that I mentioned, they really add to us feeling like we don't we don't belong here like it we shouldn't be here like we got here by some fluke or by luck and that any moment now someone's going to pull the rug from under us and we're going to be exposed for the frauds that we are that's deep think about all that chatter all those thoughts all these voices in your head but you have to show up to work every day and do your best and not only do your best, you have to operate at a level that's higher, more flawless than the other people that are around you because of this racism and these ideas and thoughts about women of color in the workplace. There's a lot at play. We don't get to just show up at work and do a good job and get a raise and get a promotion and move on with life. These are all the things that we're actually battling. 
So when I say, you know, imposter syndrome is pervasive, when I say, you know, people, 70% of you all are, or 70% of us are dealing with it, this is where it comes from. And I wanted to acknowledge this first before we even talk about how it plays out in the work that you do or what you can do to overcome it. I think it's important to really cut to why it's such a big deal and why it's even something that we have to deal with in the first place. The good news, and this is what I alluded to in the beginning as I started this conversation, the good news is that it can all be changed because it's really, it's not really real when you think about it. All of these things that are at play, the racism, the 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 things that we have to deal with, the situations that we deal with, this is that's life, right? We though have an opportunity to push past it. We have the opportunity to move it out of our our the, the forefront of what we're thinking and not let it affect us in the way where we feel like we're not great and we don't deserve to be in this space. That part is the part that's not real because they can think what they want and they can act how they want to act and put whatever labels on us. That part is there. That part is real, but we don't have to internalize it. And that's the part that gets me excited. That's the part that makes me say, let's cut this down. Let's get rid of this imposter syndrome. Let's not internalize this anymore. So how does imposter syndrome play out? Well, first, I read this really great article on landit.com, and I'll link to the article in the show notes, and it outlined five different types of imposter syndrome. Now, I'm going to go through each of the types at a high level. You can read the article. It goes in depth. Questions to ask yourself if you're not sure if this is you. I love it, so I'll link to that. But there are five types of imposter syndrome. So I'm going to go through them. I want you to think about which ones do you think affect you, which one or multiple ones affect you or have affected you in the past. The first is perfectionism. And I've definitely seen this play out with some of the women that I work with. And this is where you can't move forward. You can't do what it is you need to do. You can't press go, right? You can't move on until it's perfect. You are searching for that presentation, that that document, that email, whatever it is to be perfect, flawless, and you cannot move on until it is. And this causes delay. This causes procrastination because it's not that you are working through to fix issues and errors, which we all should do, right? We, we all want to give a product that's at a high level and that's excellent. But it's that you're looking to make it perfect. You're looking to do something that is really never attainable. And so it's an excuse to not actually move forward. You're like, because I don't belong here, because I'm a fraud, it needs to be perfect. If it's not perfect, they're going to know that I don't belong here. It's like a cycle so that I'm just not going to do anything and you just keep going around and around. The next type is being a superwoman. And this is where you overwork yourself so hard because you feel like you need to measure up. You're staying late. You're coming extra early. You're taking on your work plus other people's work all because you deep down don't feel you're good enough. And so you're trying to overcompensate by being a superwoman. This leads to burnout, and y'all know I talked about that, (laughs) about burnout, and I'll link to that episode if you didn't hear it. It leads to mental health, you know, anguish. Like, this is a lot to take on where you're constantly overworking yourself, all because deep down you feel like an imposter. 
The third type is natural genius. And this is where you're judging yourself on your natural abilities. And this is really around having a, a fixed mindset where you feel like, I already know as much as I know. I can only do as much as I can do. If I have to work extra hard or go an extra mile, then it's because I'm not really good enough. Other people, these things come naturally to them. It doesn't come naturally to me. I'm a fraud. I don't deserve to be here. The fourth one, rugged individualist. And this is where you feel like you just have to do everything yourself. You're not going to ask for help because if you do ask for help, it shows that you don't belong there. Because if you knew what you were doing, if you should have been there, you wouldn't have needed help. And so you're just going to stay to yourself, do what it takes, not ask any questions. Again, covering up the fact that you don't feel good enough to be in the space that you're in. And the last type of imposter syndrome is the expert. And this is where you feel like you have to be the all-knowing expert on every single subject. Because if you don't know something, if you have to say, I don't know to something, then people will realize, oh, this person is not as smart as I thought. She actually doesn't belong to belong here. She shouldn't be in this room because she didn't know the answer to that question. On the surface, these things may feel like, oh, well, Dorian, what's wrong with me wanting to be perfect or wanting to know what I'm talking about? Where it crosses over is when it comes to a point where it paralyzes you. Or it's coming from a place of not just, you know, wanting to be excellent, but wanting to cover up because you feel there's some deficiency in what you bring to the table. That's when it gets dangerous and when it crosses over into imposter syndrome. So how does that play out? Well, if you don't stand up for yourself, if you don't want to say anything to anyone, you don't want to, you know, if there's a wrong against you and you're like, you know what, let me just not make any waves. I'm not going to say anything. If you're afraid to ask for more money, afraid to negotiate because, well, you know what? I'm just grateful that I'm here. I don't even really know what I'm doing. So I'm not even going to ask them for more money because how could I even be getting paid when I'm getting paid now? I'm getting paid more than I actually deserve. Overthinking every move you make every single thing there's this whole process where you have to think about it you have to ask 10 people you have to come back to the drawing board reflect some more and you're just paralyzed you're not moving because you're over analyzing everything you're doing or if you have to micromanage every person because again you're that individualist and you just want to do it yourself and you want to control everything and so you're not relinquishing power to anyone else you just want to do it because there's no room for error i don't belong here they're gonna find me out right downplaying your accomplishments, feeling like I'm not really good enough. So when people tell me you did an amazing job, you can't even say thank you. You don't even believe them. You're like, oh, well, it was because of this. Or I had help. Or, you know, oh, this it wasn't that difficult. If you gave me something dif more difficult, you'd see I really don't know what I'm doing. Maybe you don't accept new opportunities. Maybe you don't put yourself out there. Imposter syndrome has so many implications. It affects so many aspects of your career if you don't get it in check. I want you to think through which of those five types of imposter syndrome resonate with you? Where have there been situations in your career where you've been dealing with those things? And maybe you didn't even realize it was a form of imposter syndrome, but now you know, well, yeah, it's because I'm covering up the fact that I don't feel good enough. So once you acknowledge, so you know what imposter syndrome is, we understand how it plays out. We understand the different types. Once you've done that, what can you do about it? And this is my favorite part. 
So there are four things that you can do to combat imposter syndrome. This does not need to be something that you have to deal with forever and ever and ever. This is the part where I talk about, it's not real, y'all. This feeling of, I don't belong there. As a woman of color, I shouldn't be in this space. I'm not good enough. My accomplishments don't matter. That is not real. Maybe what they're doing, what they're saying, the things that you have to deal with, that's real. And again, I'm validating you in that. I get it. It's not cool that you had to move your seat, that they mistaked you for a vendor, that they look over you for promotions, all of that stuff, not fair. But you don't have to take that on. You don't have to internalize that. That's the part that you have control of. So the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you have imposter syndrome and not from a space of defeat or feeling like a victim, like, oh, I have this imposter syndrome. Now what am I going to do? But you know what? Imposter syndrome is normal. 70% of people have it or, or have dealt with it in their lifetime. I am not alone. Executives deal with it. Men deal with it. White people, Asian people, brown people, whatever, deal with it. And so do I. It's normal. It's a thing. And I acknowledge that this is how it's playing out in my career. Once you do that, the second thing is to pinpoint which type you have it's re- I really believe that it's hard to work to improve on something if you don't really know the nuances and know specifically what it is. So pinpoint which type you have and understand how it shows up in your life and in your career. You're procrastinating because you truly don't feel like you're ready. You don't want to pull the trigger on what you need to do because you don't feel you're good enough. Understand how it plays out. You've got to face it and understand it before you can change it. The third thing is to start to track and celebrate your wins. I talk about with my clients creating a brag folder. Every time somebody emails me something that I've done, that gets slid over to my brag folder because sometimes I need a reminder. I think part of the reason why imposter syndrome is not something that I'm currently dealing with or something that's been pervasive for me is because I I stay surrounding myself with what I've done well. And I want to remind myself of that. And you want to celebrate your wins. At my house, there's always a bottle of champagne on deck. We like to celebrate if something was good. My husband, my daughter can't drink, but we celebrate with some, you know, tap glasses with some water, whatever it is. We like to celebrate here. I also like to keep a list throughout the year of every single thing that happened that was amazing and how I'm like why I'm happy for it because sometimes when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling like, what did I do? How did I get here? I'm not making any progress. I refer myself back to my brag folder, to my list of my wins, you know, have a happy dance, surround yourself with cheerleaders. For my clients, I am their cheerleader. I think I get more excited than they do about their wins. You want to surround yourself with people that are going to bring you up so to help you celebrate it. Take screenshots of messages that you have. I do all of these things. Like this really helps you to make it real and and quantify the actual achievements that you've had in your career. And the fourth thing is daily reflection. Daily reflection on how you're doing, where you are, how you're winning, how you're great. Talk about it with people. 
every day find someone not that you're saying hey I have imposter syndrome can we talk about it but have conversations and be vulnerable about how you're feeling in a space like I just did this presentation not really feeling it went the best you know here's what happened what's your thoughts or this conversation just happened making me feel like I don't belong here can we talk about it or how are you doing woman in this space that maybe you're the only or you're not you know there's not necessarily people that you can look up to I'm here for you have some sort of daily outlet some daily way for you to vent vent I definitely have friends where we just go ahead and share the microaggression of the day or we talk about a comment that was made we share articles and it's not that we have to go into this in-depth long conversation all the time but it's something that's top of mind it's something that we know to keep in in keep up with I'm again cheerleading I'm a cheerleader for friends clients people I have people that cheerlead for me and so this is a daily part of my process also document your successes the positive feedback every single day even if you take 30 seconds to write the one thing that I did super well today as small as it is I did my eyebrows to perfection whatever I did that presentation I did I wrote that email whatever it is every day take a moment to think about what it is that you did well and document it more than just thinking about it because when you're in the depths of this feeling like you're an imposter feeling like you're going to get found out you're not going to remember those thoughts you're not going to it's not going to seem real so you want to document it in a tangible way so you can go back to it This is an ongoing process. Getting rid of imposter syndrome once and for all, understanding how to eradicate it from your life, from your career, is an ongoing process, but it can be changed. The feelings that you have, the thoughts that you have about not being good enough, they are not real. It is not real. You are good enough. You deserve it. You deserve it to be there. You are qualified. You belong in the room. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't. That feeling is not real. You just have to act. You just have to decide that you're ready to make that transition. If you're ready to find out what's possible in the next phase of your career, then it's time for you to book your free career breakthrough session. Every day I see top performers make crucial mistakes that block their purpose, sabotage their success, and leave money on the table. I want to show you how to change all of that. Your purpose is calling, career girl. Are you ready to answer? Go to yourcareergirl.com slash breakthrough. Hey there, career girl. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of the Deeper Than Work podcast. If you want to read more about what we talked about today, or you want to check out any of the links that I mentioned, head over to deeperthanwork.com and just search for today's episode number. Also, I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway, your biggest aha moment was from today's episode. Go to IG and tag me in your story or your post. I'm at your career girl and let me know what you thought. Lastly, if you love listening to the podcast, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Talk soon.